Well, good morning, church. We can do better than that. Look, we have a large room. Let's try to do that better. Good morning, church. Man, we are so glad you're here. If you don't know me, if you're brand new, my name is Doug Osborne. I'm the East Campus Pastor, and we are delighted that you've joined us this morning on this Resurrection Sunday. You know, when I think about Easter, uh, probably, and I know you're going to say, I don't know that I believe you, but it's true. I think Easter for me may be one of my favorite holidays of the year, especially when I was a kid. It was like one of my favorite holidays. Now, I know I love Christmas like every other kid did at Christmas, because why? Why do we love Christmas? Yeah, come on, don't be so super spiritual this morning. We love gifts, right? And so we love Christmas, but I loved Easter for some different reasons when I was a kid. One of the reasons was because uh, it was the one time of year that all of our family got together, and we would go out and eat after church. I know it's kind of hard to believe in this culture, but some of you remember the day when eating out was a luxury. Anybody remember those days? Okay, about half the room. Okay, so we were like, I don't, I don't know, we eat out all the time. So anyway, uh, I remember that. And so we got to eat out with our family. It was awesome. I, I remember Easter being a fun time because it was one of those seasons where uh, my mom would take an Easter basket and she would fill it full of candy. And as I got older, she would put cash in there and that was really nice. And then she would wrap it in cellophane and she'd sit on a fireplace. And so we would come out Easter Sunday morning and go get it. And she always had my favorite candy, which was I loved, love, love the Easter egg, bun- the chocolate bunnies. They were hollow in the middle. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I love those. And my one mission as a small kid was to eat the whole thing before I got to church that morning. And I know what you're thinking. You must have been bouncing off the walls. No, I was the flip side. I was ready for a long winter's nap by the time I got to church. And so, yeah, I love that. And I also love the fact that when I was a kid, we would do like Easter egg hunts. And all the family would come over, and we would hunt eggs, and we'd bring them back. And if they had money in it, that was even better. And so it was like, as I think about Easter, for me as a kid, man, it was like one of the favorite holidays that I had. But here's what I know. From all of us in the room, we all bring something different to Easter. We all bring different experiences we had as a kid. We all bring different maybe ideas when it comes to Easter, maybe different backgrounds spiritually, different things have happened. And we all bring something different to the table. For some of you, if you were to go back and, and kind of think about Easter, for you as a child, you, you remember learning the truth of Easter. You learned that Jesus died on the cross, and three days later, he rose from the grave. And so your parents at a young age instilled in you the truth of Easter and the resurrection. For others of you, maybe you were like me. And you loved Easter, and yeah, you, you understood the story, but you loved it because the fun that you got to have, the candy you got to eat, the egg hunts you got to do. And then for some of you, if you were super honest, you'd say this, that maybe you kind of enjoyed Easter because maybe you, what you bring to the table is maybe that was the one time a year or one of the few times a year you actually went to church, right? Your family got you there. And so when we have a room this large with this many people, here's what I know. We all bring something different to Easter. We all have different backgrounds, different stories as we think about the Easter and the resurrection Sunday morning. So what I want to do this morning is I want to get us all on the same wavelength. I want to take, despite your backgrounds, despite your experiences, whether it was fun or you understood the truth of Easter, I want to get us on the same wavelength and kind of bring us all to the same point where we can leave this morning understanding the truth of Easter. And I want to do that by talking about, I have two questions this morning I want us to look at. The first question is a question you probably considered before. It's a question, <clears throat> quite frankly, you've probably been asked before. But the second question, and that's where I'm going to spend the bulk of my time this morning, is a question that for many of us we've never considered. But hopefully today before you leave, you will ask yourself the second question and really come up with an answer. Here's the first question I want you to consider this morning. Why is Easter a big deal for us? Now, when I say us, I'm talking about the church. Why is Easter a big deal for the church of Jesus Christ? Why is Easter a big deal for Cross Eye Feast? Why is Easter a big deal for churches all across the country 
and all across the world that are meeting today to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Why is Easter such a big deal? Well, you may know that answer. The answer is this. Easter is such a big deal because it is the foundation of our faith. Amen, church? It's the foundation of our faith. Now, let me, let me kind of quantify that. <clears throat> Jesus was an incredible teacher. In fact, when you read the Bible, you find out stuff like this, that when he would teach, people would be in awe of his teaching. People were blown away. But while Jesus was an incredible teacher, that his teachings are not the foundation of our faith. Jesus was a miracle worker. I mean, there's some stories that we read in Scripture that I would have loved to have gone back to and been there and been a part of what Jesus did. I mean, from the time that he raised a lame person to he gave sight to the blind person, or even the time when he raised a dead man from the grave. I mean, this was just like incredible stuff that Jesus did. But even the miracles of Jesus, it's not the foundation of our faith. Jesus lived a sinless life, and then he went and died on a cross, a brutal death, a criminal's death. But even Jesus' death on the cross is not the cornerstone of our faith. See, why Easter is such a big deal for us as a church, let's go back to the first question we can, Thomas. The reason Easter is such a big deal for us as a church is because it is the cornerstone, it is the foundation of our faith. Because Jesus resurrected from the dead, because Jesus came out of the grave, Easter is the cornerstone of our faith. It is the reason we're here this morning. In fact, if it did not happen, we wouldn't be here this morning. If Jesus had not come back from the grave, we wouldn't be here this morning singing these songs and talking about what we're talking about. So why is Easter such a big deal for us as a church? Because it's the event in history that changed everything. It's the event in history that validated that Jesus was the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And that leads me to the second question that we're going to spend a lot of time on this morning. And it's this question. You got it a little soon here. I'm sorry about that. But here's the second question. Why is Easter a big deal for you? See, it's one thing to talk about Easter for us. Yeah, for us, it's the cornerstone of our faith. But my question is, why is Easter a big deal for you? Specifically, you. Why is Easter a big deal for you? And what I want to do this morning, I want to look at two people. Two people whose lives were greatly impacted by the Easter story. And I want us to look at their lives and go, can we find ourselves resonating with what they went through? And can Easter do for us what it did for them? So if you have a Bible or you have a smart device, or if not, their screen will be up here. I want you to turn with me to the book of John chapter 20. <coughs> Excuse me. John chapter 20 is where we're going to be this morning. John chapter 20. And as we go to John chapter 20, we're going to be introduced to two characters. And the first character we're going to see is a lady by the name of Mary. Now, real quickly, her name is Mary Magdalene, and you may say, well, Doug, who in the world is that? Well, I'm just going to tell you what we know 100% sure out of Scripture. There's some people that speculate some other things, but 100% sure we know this is that Mary Magdalene was a lady who was possessed by demons. In fact, at some point in Jesus' ministry, he went around and she was possessed by seven different demons, and Jesus cast out all seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. After Mary Magdalene had been rescued from these demons, she surrendered her life and she lived the rest of her life following and living for Jesus. She like followed him everywhere he went. In fact, Mary Magdalene, along with some other ladies, were some of the only people <coughs> excuse me, that were around when Jesus died on the cross. She was it. I mean, there was John and then the other disciples scattered, but Mary Magdalene with some others, they were there. 
She, she had all these demons cast out, and then she followed Jesus. She went to the cross. She was there when he was crucified. She was probably there when they took him and they put him in the borrowed tomb. She was there. She was faithful. And so as we jump into the story, what we find out is this Mary Magdalene, who's been there where Jesus crucified, she was there when he's put into the tomb. Now she's coming back to the tomb. Because she's coming back to do something that was a Jewish practice. It was something that typical Jews would do. They would come back at some point, and they would actually they would try to do it before they were buried, but it was getting late in the day when he was crucified, and they couldn't interrupt what was called the Sabbath. You couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. And so they had to leave, and they were coming back, and they were going to come. She was coming back to not only pay her respects, but to do things to preserve the body so it would not decay. And that's where we pick up the story. John chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. Look at this with me real quick as we see the heart of Mary. It says this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. <clears throat> so she ran and she went to tell Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So when we see Mary... <clears throat> right out of the gate, we see that Mary is in total disbelief. Mary's in total disbelief. I mean, this Mary who's been healed of these demons, this Mary who actually has been there when he was crucified, the Mary who's at the tomb, she's come back, and when she shows up, what happens? The stone has been rolled away, right? The stone is moved, and the body is gone. Thank you, Michael, so much. Appreciate that. Uh, and so the stone is rolled away, and she's like, the body's gone. And so Mary's in total disbelief. Think about that for a moment. Mary's there, and she's in disbelief. She is extremely upset. Why? Because the one she loved, the one she followed, he's gone. The one that she had dedicated her life to, he's gone. And Mary finds herself at a place where she's like, this doesn't make sense to me. This doesn't make sense. God, I don't understand what's going on. And Mary is in 100% disbelief. She just cannot believe that the body has been taken. She didn't know if it had been stolen. She didn't know what had happened. All we know is that her heart was in a place of disbelief. She was confused, didn't understand. This didn't make sense. But look where her disbelief took her. Look what happened to her. Look where it led her. In verse 10, it says this. Then the disciples <coughs> went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and she wept, and she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, and the head of one and the feet of the other. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, guess what? They have taken away my Lord and do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? Supposing to him the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you know who carried him away, tell me where you have laid him that I will take him away. Now, what happened to Mary? Mary shows up, right? And the body's gone. Mary's in utter disbelief. And where did that disbelief take her? It took her down a path of feeling hopeless. The one thing she had put all her eggs in the basket, pardon the pun there, she put all her eggs in the basket of following and living for Jesus, and now the very person she goes to pay respects to and to preserve the body with, he is gone. And she just beside herself, I don't know what to do. I can't make sense of this. This just doesn't understand. I just can't compute what is happening. And it leads her to a place of hopelessness. 
Now, follow me just for a moment. Why was she hopeless? Listen, because what she knew to be true and what she experienced weren't the same thing. Now, what did she know to be true? Three days ago, we put his body in this tomb. Three days ago, <coughs> we placed his body in the tomb, and they covered up with a stone, right? Three days ago, I know where we placed him. He was dead. I mean, he wasn't like dead. He was like dead, dead. I mean, they, they, they jabbed a spear. He bled. I mean, he was gone, and we put him in here. We put the tomb over. This is what I know, but here's what I'm experiencing. The tomb is empty, and she was in disbelief. Now, here's why I want to talk about this story. Because I know in a crowd this size, there's some of you this morning that are here and you have a heart that's in disbelief. You look at your life and here's what you see. Maybe one tragedy after the next tragedy. Maybe one hurt after the next hurt. Maybe one loss after the next loss. You feel like you're in total disbelief. And why are you in disbelief? Because what you know to be true or what you've told to be true, that God is loving, that God is caring, that God is for you, that God is not against you. And when you look at your life, <coughs> that's not what you are experiencing. Quite frankly, can we just be super honest this morning? Some of you feel like maybe God has abandoned you. And you're here this morning and you're confused. You're heartbroken, and you can identify with Mary, and you feel like you are in total disbelief. Can some of you resonate with that this morning? Maybe some of you can say, Doug, I'm just like Mary. But I want you to notice something happened next. Something happens to Mary after this heart of disbelief, right in the face of the disbelief that she feels. Look what happens in verse 16. It says this in verse 16. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and she said to him in Aramaic, <coughs> Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to the brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and to your God. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have what? I have what? Seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. So right in the middle of Mary's disbelief, something happened. She came face to face with the resurrected Savior. There was a moment he said, Mary. Maybe it was the tone, maybe it was the way, but when he said Mary, her eyes were open, and now she didn't see a gardener. She saw Jesus, the Savior of the world. And in that moment, her disbelief, listen, her disbelief moved from disbelief to confidence. She moved from being disbelief, I don't understand, this doesn't make sense, to now, listen, I know God is in control. I know God has always had a plan. Listen, even when I didn't understand it, even when I didn't know what it was, God has always had a plan, and therefore God can be trusted. See, when you look at the story, <coughs> you see a woman that is loaded with disbelief, much like many of you, but something happened in her life. She came across the resurrected Savior, and her life was never the same again. She was changed. She went from disbelief to confidence in the Lord. Now, let me say something to you. For those of you this morning that are in disbelief, those of you this morning, look at your life, look at the hurt, look at the tragedies, look at the loss, and you back up and go, God, where are you? God, I, I, this doesn't make sense to me. You tell me you love me. You tell me you care about me. You, people tell me that you're with me, but God, I don't feel you. I don't sense you. Listen, I want something that happened to Mary to happen to you. Something happened to Mary. She came face to face with the resurrected Savior. Listen, today, something's happened to you. You know what it is? You showed up. You showed up today. 
You came with disbelief and you showed up this morning. And what you've been reminded of this morning is that there is a God who, yes, he's in control. There's a God who has a plan. There's a God who's always at work. Even when Mary didn't see it, she finally realized it. <clears throat> that moment that she recognized who Jesus was, she realized God had this all along. God had control. And now she got to go tell everybody. And I believe beyond a shadow of that, what God wants from us today is to move us from a heart of disbelief to a heart that's confident. A heart that can say, Lord, even when I don't see it, I know you're in control. Lord, even when it doesn't make sense to me, I know your work. God, even when I can't see what's happening, God, I know you have a plan. God, when I'm at the moment of my greatest weakness, I know that above everything else, God, I can trust you. Listen, Easter changed Mary's life from disbelief to confidence. But there's one more guy I want to look at just for a few moments. And this guy, you've heard of him before, <clears throat> and his name is Thomas. Now, what is Thomas known for? Okay, let's read that. Verse 24 through 25 says this. Now Thomas, one of the 12 disciples, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came the first time. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark on the nails and place my hand to his side. Let's read this last phrase together. I will never what? Believe. I will never believe. So where Mary was filled full of disbelief, Thomas was doubtful. He was doubtful. Now think about this for a moment. This guy had a history with Jesus, didn't he? This guy had spent the better part of three and a half years traveling around with Jesus. He heard the teachings of Jesus. He saw the miracle work of Jesus. He saw everything that Jesus said and that he did and experienced. He was with Jesus in those quiet moments, when, when a few of those moments, when nobody was around. And he saw, he saw the character and the integrity of the Savior. This is a guy who heard everything Jesus said as it pertains to that he was going to die. But three days later, he was coming again. This guy had a history with Jesus. But he still just didn't believe. He had a heart filled with doubt. Just a question this morning. Can you resonate with Peter a little bit this morning? Do you feel like you have a, I mean, Thomas, do you feel like you have a heart filled full of doubt this morning like Thomas? I mean, you look at, listen, you look at the world and you go, okay, if God is so loving, I don't know that I see that. Some of you doubt that God is loving this morning. Maybe some of you doubt that you look, at, you look at everything and you doubt if there's really one true God. Some of you doubt, okay, is there really life after death? And if you think there's life after death, you have doubts about where you're going to spend it. Some of us in the room today are just loaded with doubt and doubt and doubt and even more doubt. Just like Thomas. But just like Mary, something happened to Thomas. Let's keep reading here. Look what happens in verse 26 through 29. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. <clears throat> and although the door were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Now, just pause there for a moment. We're not going to spend time on that. If the doors were locked, what does that mean? Yeah, well, I know, but what does that mean? He didn't come through the door, right? Right? This is like a Twilight Zone moment for them, right? And so Jesus came, and he stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand in the place in my side. Do not disbelieve, but 
believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? And blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's talking about us, right? So Thomas is there, filled full of dot. Jesus shows up and something happens. He comes face to face with the truth of what Jesus has done. He sees and touches the nail-scarred hands. He sees and touches the side that is pierced. And Thomas's only conclusion is this, my Lord, my God. I believe. I get it. I know I was filled with doubt. I know when I looked at things around me, I was like, I'm not so sure about this. I know my heart was filled with uncertainty. But when I saw the nail-scarred hands, when I touched the side where he'd been pierced, all of a sudden things changed for me, and now I believe. Something happened for Thomas in that moment, and what happened was he faced the truth of the resurrected Jesus. And so this morning, if you feel like your heart is loaded with doubt, I want you to be confronted with some truth this morning as well. And here's the truth I think we all need to be confronted with this morning. We have a God in heaven who loves us. He loves you more than you could ever love yourself. He loves you more than your spouse can love you. He loves you more than your kids can love you. He loves you more than you'll ever know. And because that love, the demonstration that love was, he sent his only son to this world. Because God knew something about us. On our best day, and our best effort, and on our best Easter Sunday morning clothes, we couldn't do anything to save ourselves. And he sent his one and only son to die on a cross. And on that cross, Jesus said one of the most painful phrases in all eternity when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that one moment, this triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in that one moment, the Father turned his eyes from the Son, and there was a disruption in the Trinity so Jesus could take on the weight of my sin and your sin. And then that Savior who died on the cross was put into a borrowed tomb. But three days later, he came back to life. And that is the truth I want you to be confronted with. And the truth I want you to understand is that for Thomas, he moved from a place of doubt to a place of faith. He went from uncertainty to a place of conviction. He moved from doubt to believing in Jesus. And I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's what God wants from you. He wants to take you from doubt to faith. Now listen, I know I'm not the smartest person in this room, and I know some of you are deep intellects. I mean, you, you know stuff, and you've experienced stuff, and you're, you're well-read, and you're well-studied. Listen, I, listen, we don't have all the answers you're asking, but we know who does. And you may not know on this side of eternity, but at some point, even the stuff you're reading and, and pursuing, isn't that a step of faith to buy into that stuff too? See, some of you have some real doubts about God. You have some real doubts about his existence. You have some real doubts about his love for you. You have some real doubts about a lot of stuff. And I'm just asking this morning, would you take a step like Thomas took and say, I want to move from doubt to faith? Now, I want to close with a question I started with a while ago. Why is Easter a big deal for you? Do you know why it's a big deal for you? Because it can do for you what it did for Mary and Thomas. It can change your life. It can move you from a place of disbelief to confidence. It can move you a place of doubt to a place of faith. And all it takes is a willingness on our part to surrender our lives and say, Lord, I surrender to you. 
So maybe you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus. I mean, you're here and you love the Lord and you're living for the Lord. Listen, I still know even as a Christian, sometimes this belief settles in, doesn't it? Sometimes we can go through moments in life where we back up and go, I have no idea what in the world that happened. That makes no sense to me. God, I don't understand what I'm going through. But if that's you this morning, I'm asking you, would you put that disbelief aside and say, God, even though I don't understand, even though it doesn't make sense to me, I choose to trust you because you are my Lord and my Savior. Or maybe you're a believer this morning and you say, Doug, honestly, I have some doubts too. There's sometimes I go through some junk in my life and I wonder, God, where are you, God? You say you love me, you care about me, but I doubt that you're even with me right now. Listen, I'm asking you, would you put those doubts aside and say, Lord, I choose as a believer to live my life in faith rather than living in doubt. So if you're a Christian this morning, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you too can struggle with disbelief. You too can struggle with doubt. But I'm asking you to make a commitment to put those things aside and say, Lord, today I'm committing no matter what. I trust you. Everybody say, no matter what. No matter what. what, I trust you. No matter what, I'm going to live by faith. And if you're a Christian this morning, the story of Easter, the story of how Jesus changed Mary's life and Thomas's life should be a story that we are excited and energetic and enthusiastic and have an urgency to go share with everybody else. If he can change their life, can he change anybody's life? He can. And as believers, it's our journey and our job to go share it. Then this morning, there's maybe two other people in the room, and I had a conversation with a person this week in particular that had this story, and I don't want to tell the whole story and tell you who it is because they're going to share their story in a couple of weeks, but there's somebody that grew up in the church, somebody that made a decision for Christ when they were early, they were baptized, and then they, they literally said to me, said, hey, Doug, my journey with Christ existed of two days a week, Sundays and youth group. That was it. Other times, I was living life like I wanted to live life. And what happened for this person was, it all of a sudden started creating doubt in their heart. Doubt whether they were saved, doubt whether they knew Christ. And they were like, I just, I just don't know what to do with this. I made a decision when I was younger, but my life does not reflect what a believer's life should look like. Yeah, I'm pretty good on Sunday morning because that's what you're supposed to do. And yeah, I'm pretty good when I used to go to youth group because that's what you're supposed to do. But the rest of the week, I'm doing things I shouldn't do. I'm saying things I shouldn't say. Nothing about my life reflects Christ, and I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Doug, what do I do? I said, it's really easy. You just nail it down. Don't walk out of my office with doubt in your heart. You just nail it down. You just say, Lord, I I don't know, but I'm struggling, and today I want to know for sure. And I said, literally, Tar, you want to leave this place knowing. And so last Sunday morning, she said, well, I made that decision last Sunday morning. Last Sunday morning, I gave my life to Christ. I made sure that I nailed it down and knew that when I die, I'm going to heaven. And see, some of you in the room today, I know. I know their story. It's just like this person's. You've grown up in church. You've made a decision for Christ. But if you were to die this very moment, you're like, I'm not so sure where I'm going to spend eternity. My words to you would just be this encouragement. Just nail it down. Well, Doug, you don't understand. People think that I'm this devout follower of Christ. Is that worth baiting your eternity on it? Well, Doug, you don't understand. You know, I I go to this church. I've been to this church. I've gone to church. People know me as the person who serves and does this, and I'm a faith. People look at me and see faithful. They don't know my inward hearts. Listen, is your eternity worth betting on that? See, your eternity is the most important thing that you have this morning, and if you're doubting whether you know Christ or not, I just want to challenge you that you just nail it down this morning. I don't want you leaving this place not knowing that when you leave this life, you're not going to spend eternity with Christ forever. 
And then maybe some of you are here this morning and you've never accepted Christ and you know that. You've never made a decision. And your heart is exactly like Mary's. Your heart is exactly like Thomas. You have disbelief and you have doubt. And here's all I want to say to you this morning. Would you just kind of surrender your pride? Would you surrender your hurt? Would you surrender your struggle? Because listen, all the things you're doubting, all the things you're struggling with, all the things you're kind of bowing up about, has it worked out for you? Has it brought you peace? Has it brought you joy? Has it brought you hope? And if not, would you lay those things aside and say, Jesus, I'm going to give you a shot. Today I'm going to ask you and invite you to be the boss and the master of my life. And if you've never accepted Christ, would you do that this morning? So here's what I want you to do. Everybody stay seated just for a moment. I'm going to ask you right now, everybody just close your eyes and bow your heads. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody's looking around. But if you're here this morning, and you're that believer that says, man, I'm not so sure. I think I might need to nail it down. Or if you're here this morning say, so you know what? I don't know that I've ever truly trusted Christ, and I need to do that today. With nobody looking around, I'm going to ask you, would you just slide your hand up, put it right back down? Nobody's going to see you except me. Just slide it up, put it right back down. Amen. 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 If that's you this morning, I want to lead you in a prayer. But it can't just be Doug's words. It's got to be really the cry of your heart. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to accept Christ this morning, or if you want to nail down your salvation, would you just pray this, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I've said things, and I've done things, and I've thought things that were rebellion against you. And today, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me my sin. Come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. I surrender. I surrender to you. And I promise to live the rest of my days for you. Everybody look this way. If you just prayed that prayer, the Bible says that now your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Bible says if you truly just nailed your salvation down, are you truly accepting for the first time that all of heaven is throwing a party just for you? And so this morning, if you've made that decision, we, I want to know about it. I want to encourage you. When you walked in this morning, you were handed a little handout piece and it has a response card at the bottom. If you would take a moment and fill it out, we have an offering bin right back there halfway back. If you just drop it in there, I would love to personally reach out to you to encourage you in the decision. But listen, if you made that decision, don't leave here and not let somebody know it. Because that decision doesn't just change your life. It just changed your eternity. And we want to celebrate with you. Amen? Church, we want to celebrate with them. That's right. So right now, let's all stand together. If you would. Everybody stand with me. And let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for those all across the room that lifted their hand and said, I either need to nail down my salvation or I need to make sure that I make a decision for Christ this morning. God, I pray with everything in me, if they prayed that prayer, invited you in as Boston Master, they would let somebody know so we could celebrate with them. God, for those people, I pray as they leave here today, they would realize that decision didn't just change their life. That decision changed their eternity. Now when they leave this world, they will spend forever and ever and ever and ever in heaven with you. God, that is good news. 
And we thank you for that. And then, God, I pray for believers in the room today that we would take the story of Easter and it wouldn't stop here. See, Lord, we know that the story of Easter began a movement called Christianity, a movement that is still moving, and we get to be a part of that. So, God, I pray for believers that we would take the stories of Mary and Thomas of disbelief and doubt and eventually confidence and faith, and we would take that story out and we would have an urgency to share with other people because if you can change their heart and their life, you can change anybody's heart and life. So I pray for urgency in the life of believers. I pray this morning, Lord, all across this room, we would say, Lord, my heart, it belongs to you. My life belongs to you. My devotion belongs to you. God, we love you, and we thank you for all that you do for us. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let's continue to worship together.